Welcome to the Excel in Retirement Show, where financial planning becomes understandable. Your host, David C. Treese, is a licensed financial advisor who specializes in retirement income planning. Do you know where your income will come from in retirement? David helps people know where their paychecks will come from in retirement. David's desire for each of his clients is to have financial confidence, protection, and growth. We believe this is achievable with the right plan in place. Together, we'll build a plan specific to your financial goals. We work with clients from all over, and we'd love to connect with you. Go to clientsexcel.com to connect with us. If you'd like to speak with us, call our office at 864-641-7955. Thanks for listening. Now to the show. Welcome back to the Excel in Retirement Show. This is episode number 38, and I am excited to have you here for our show. My name is David Treese, and I will be your host. When I was a kid, my cousin Elijah, he loved David Robinson and the San Antonio Spurs. One day when I was at his house, he gave me some NBA trading cards, and that's when I got started following basketball. Somewhere along the way, my mom got into watching the Charlotte Hornets with me. I grew up right outside of Charlotte, and we eventually started going to the games at the at the old Coliseum. Not the old, old Coliseum, but the old Coliseum now. I think they're on their third arena now. But I would vividly remember the first time the Hornets made the playoffs in 1993. With seconds to go, Alonzo Mourning sunk a game-winning shot, and he fell to the ground with his arms in the air. It was an electric moment. I'll put the video of it in the show notes where you can go to YouTube and watch it. It was a crazy moment. There was Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson and all the uh, cool guys from that era. Well, the Hornets owner started arguing with the city over an, over a new arena, and eventually the team was moved to another state. And for whatever reason, I really lost interest with sports after that. I'm not sure why, but I've never been able to follow any sports very closely since then. I know that may be sounding a little bit weird, but that's it. Tom Brady's uh, phenomenal achievement, though, of winning yet another Super Bowl has been consuming headlines. And I couldn't help but reading about it. I read a good bit of the news. And I normally pull for the underdog, but how can you not want this modern miracle of a man to continue his streak? His self-discipline is something to be studied. His day is meticulously scheduled and strictly adhered to. But another aspect of it got my eye recently. I was reading a Yahoo Sports article, and the title of the article was The Unglamorous Life of Tom Brady, From Cleaning Toilets to Hauling Cement. The article talks about how Brady had various college jobs, and one of them was working construction. He was asked to scrub an auto parts factory restroom that had been blanketed by layers of construction debris and grime and who knows what else. The article said he cleaned the restroom until the toilet and urinal gleamed. And there was nothing that Brady wouldn't do when he was asked to do it by his uh, manager there at the job site. He hauled heavy cement in the blistering heat, and he cleaned up job sites where partiers from the night before had trashed the area. He worked various jobs to gain job experience if football didn't work out for him after college, believe it or not. I didn't know this until reading the article, but he actually interned for a financial advisory firm while in college, and he would get all of his work done and then complain about not having enough to do, and so his boss would find him more work to do, but his co-workers said that he was humble, likable, and hardworking. 
We all want our team to win, but it may be worth considering the role model Brady seems to be uh, to young people. We could all benefit from following Brady's example of self-discipline in his work ethic. His diet is uh, is very meticulously planned, and he adheres to a very strict diet and workout schedule and routine that uh, we probably all could benefit from doing something similar. For today's topic, I want to talk about a topic that is very confusing to a lot of people. There's a lot of confusion around what a fiduciary is. In fact, I try not to even use the word because it's so misused and so misunderstood. It's not that I'm not a fiduciary, it's just that I I don't want to confuse people further. I'll explain what a fiduciary is here and without all the jargon that normally goes along with it. The definition was first placed into law a few years after the Great Depression. The government codified the laws to guard against another financial crisis. If you recall, there were quite a few laws that came after the Great Depression to regulate the way uh, financial services business and banks operated. The biggest one was Glass-Steagall that came about in 1933. That was repealed in 1999, and there's a lot of talk. Maybe I should do a whole episode on Glass-Steagall and my opinion about that. That would be a good show. But we understand the meanings of words evolve, and so an 80-year-old law may have language that needed to be updating. So in 2019, the Securities Exchange Commission, the SEC, adopted a new interpretation of what a fiduciary is. And from my understanding, these uh, interpretations have happened several times over the years, and it's also kind of confusing, too, because different marketing campaigns around financial advising have come about, and it has kind of changed the meanings of words, too, is added to that evolution of change. Sometimes fiduciaries are marketed a certain way, and consumers may face challenges understanding the terminology. The SEC highlights the duty of care and the duty of loyalty. In my research, those were the two biggest things that the SEC uh, uses to define what a fiduciary is. Now, the loyalty part means that the advisor should not put his interest ahead of yours, the client, and he should disclose any conflicts of interest. For example, if I were heavily invested in a stock of a company, let's say Starbucks. I love Starbucks coffee. I worked at Starbucks in college. And let's say I was heavily invested in the stock of Starbucks. It may be in your best interest to know if I were advising you to buy Starbucks stock, right? That just makes sense. Or if my commission or compensation has incentivized me to direct you to invest in a certain way. All of these things are fine. It's just the law requires and wants you to be transparent with disclosing those things. And so the SEC doesn't say that there cannot be conflicts of interest, but that they should be disclosed so the consumer can make the decision over whether to follow the advice, given though that there may be that conflict of interest. So that Starbucks stock may very well be a great investment for you, and I might have the knowledge, because I've been following the stock, uh, to, to tell you to invest in it. And this is not a stock picking advice. I actually own zero shares of Star, Starbucks coffee. So this is not investment advice. This is just a hypothetical example. And so, uh, but following that advice, there may be a reason uh, that I'm doing that. And so just basically, if there's a conflict of interest or there could be a perceived conflict of interest, you should disclose that. It sounds intimidating the way the government puts it, but here's another example from another profession. And this is kind of uh, sticky or gross, so bear with me. But 
You might have a planter's wart growing on your foot, and you may make an appointment with your primary care doctor to figure out what in the world to do about this planter's wart. This doctor may be able to effectively treat the wart, your primary care doctor, but he or she may tell you to go see the foot doctor or the podiatrist who specializes in treating that issue. There are things that I don't do as an advisor that I at times refer to other professionals. And so that's basically what it's saying uh, there. If there's a conflict or if you should, uh, if you could get better care somewhere else, I should tell you that. The duty of care means that we always serve the best interest of the client based on the client's objectives. Now, this is in quotations. The application of the duty to care, however, may vary based on the scope of the client relationship. Some people may come to me for part of their financial planning, or they may uh, just need me to enact part of their uh, plan of what they're doing. They may be able to do the uh, all of it on their own, or you may be of the uh, opinion that you would like for an advisor to do it all. Some people come to me for transactional reasons. They just want to work on a piece of their uh, overall portfolio, and some people want a comprehensive plan. We work with all types of people, people that want just a part of their plan worked on or maybe the whole thing. And so we, we do that, but that's, uh, that's how the duty of care can be different for different clients and their objectives can be different. In reality, though, the topic of what a fiduciary is hinges around how an advisor is paid. That's really where I hear a lot of confusion coming into play. And you'll hear people in marketing saying that we don't get paid or the more you make, the more we make and stuff like that. So it gets really confusing for a consumer. And I could see how there would be a lot of confusion but when you understand how your advisor is paid, you'll understand the type of investing philosophy and the advice that the offer the advisor may offer. And so the thing with financial advisors is philosophy and how they invest and how they uh, think that portfolio should be set up. When you're picking out a financial advisor, this is a huge tip. When you're picking out a financial advisor, you're really trying to determine what their philosophy is on the way that money should be managed. If you can get that figured out and you can determine whether you resonate with that or not, that will go a long ways to determining whether you'll be happy with that advisor. It's important to be paired with an advisor that matches your investing and planning preferences. Lori A. Richards is an SEC regulator, and she once said in a speech, quote, I suggest that an advisor as that trustworthy fiduciary has five major responsibilities when it comes to clients. They are number one, to put the client's interest first. Number two, to act with the utmost good faith. Number three, to provide full and fair disclosure of all material facts. Number four, not to mislead clients. Number five, to expose all conflicts of interest to clients. To me, it comes down to the golden rule. Treat others how I would want to be treated. I believe everyone deserves to work with an advisor who looks out for their best interest. Our pledge to our clients is to always treat them as we would want to be treated. If you'd like to speak more about this topic or have any questions about our investing philosophy or how we set up financial plans, I'd be happy to speak with you. You can uh, email us or call our office at 864-641-7955. You can set up a time to speak with us that works with your schedule by going to excelinretirement.com. That's E-X-C-E-L-I-N retirement.com. And that'll pull up my calendar and you can schedule a 15-minute call with me. And 
and we can go from there. But I appreciate you listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.